I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Let's do a little thought experiment. Imagine you're going to your local supermarket. When you leave your house or your apartment building, do you take a right or a left? Think about the next steps. When do you turn? How do you know when to turn? When do you cross the street? Or if you're in a car, how many traffic lights do you pass? Now let me ask you something a little more specific. How many meters exactly is it to your closest supermarket? What cardinal direction is it in exactly? Unless you're a robot, those last questions probably stumped you. It turns out that while we're perhaps the top of the food chain, relative to other animals, we don't have the most sophisticated sense of direction. Who does? Bats. Such a vilified creature. Together with sharks and spiders, bats have been amongst the most disparaged animals in the entire kingdom for as far as back as stories and villains go. But really, when you think about it, they're not all that bad. And they might have the answers to a few questions about navigation. Dr. Yossi Yovel is the head of the Bat Lab for Neuroecology at Tel Aviv University, and he joins us today to talk about bats and how they get to the supermarket. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. How does our head work? Like we, how do, when we're going to the supermarket, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, there's a lot of debate. Uh, we don't really understand uh, how human uh, encodes space. But uh, I'll say, conceptually, the belief is that we have something that is uh, known as a cognitive map, which means that if I now ask you to go to some place uh, in Tel Aviv, for example, uh, and you've never walked between this location and that location, you'll be able to do that in a relatively direct line, okay, which we call a shortcut. So this, this implies that you have a kind of a map in your brain, right? Because you can mm-hmm. perform these shortcuts without, uh, uh, without ever doing them before. Uh, and this is a big question, whether animals have this ability, which animal have this ability. Some people even argue that bees have this ability. And some people say that even us humans do not have this ability. Now, uh, in terms of what we know about the brain, the mammalian brain, the human brain, Uh, we know that there is an area in the brain called the hippocampus, and in this area you can find neuron cells that encode your position in space. So if you are in a certain location in the room, for example, uh, a certain neuron or a population of neurons in, the, in your hippocampus will fire. That's how we call neural activity, they fire. And if you move to a different place in the room, a different population of neurons uh, will fire. But... I, I'm now touching on a, a very big gap in knowledge, actually, which we are, in my lab, really interested in. And that is the fact that everything done in the brain has been done uh, with animals in small uh, environments, so in rooms or in small lab- laboratories. So I, I specifically said the neurons will fire when you are in a certain area of the room. Mm-hmm. But when I was talking about navigation and shortcuts... I was in a cognitive and cognitive maps. I was talking about outdoor navigation, right? Over yeah, hundreds of meters, kilometers in case of bat, hundreds of kilometers, thousands of kilometers. And actually, there's a big gap between these two uh, domains. So we understand what's going on in the brain in small scale. We know something about what animals do outside in large scale. We have no idea if the two are actually uh, related or how the two, I, I would say, are, are related to each other. So how is it different with bats outside? I mean, first of all, are you saying that I could... 
go like generally we see with humans that if i want to go from point a to point b and i've never been i've never done that route that i could create that shortcut with humans we see that ability so even here there is a debate but i think the majority would agree that human have humans have some kind of a, an ability to 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 map the environment cognitively Meaning i might get horribly lost but eventually i get somewhere in the area right and some people i, I would say on the other side would say uh, you have what we call a sloppy map so you know Generally, you have some kind of concept of the directions between locations in this map. You can't really walk in a direct line. You can't really estimate the distance. But you're not as bad as you said at the beginning. And how do bats uh, measure up? Yeah, so my lab, let's say we, we pioneered the ability of tracking bats in uh, outdoors. Okay, that's what... Uh, tracking bats? Right. So, so we placed GPS. So we developed miniature GPS devices. At the time, they were the smallest in the world. Today, they're one of the smallest in the world. They weigh uh, two or two and a half grams. Bats are small animals. Most bats weigh less than, than 50 grams. So actually, there was no ability to track them until we came with these uh, GPS devices. And now suddenly we see that bats can move much farther than we expected. They can move in straight, uh, straighter lines that we, than we expected. So actually, the, the smallest animal ever tracked using GPS is a bat uh, weighing 30 grams uh, in Mexico that we uh, tracked using GPS. And this bat, we, we work on females because uh, we're, we're talking about northern Mexico, close to the border with the U.S., and, and hundreds of thousands of uh, female nectarivorous bats, bats that feed... A caravan, them. even. <laughs> So, so, so they're not Honduran bats. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. Sorry, I, it's I, a I political joke. Okay, okay. <laughs> horrible political joke. But <laughs> I, I was thinking of Breaking Bad or something like that. But yeah, I, no, I didn't get that. <laughs> because there's a lot of uh, you know drug trafficking in that area. Yeah, there, uh, it's a long story, but yeah, okay. our audience got it. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> no. Okay. So yeah, nectar, nectarivorians, you call yeah, them? Yeah, That's a hard so, word. So, so they eat and then they drink actually nectar. So, and they drink it from, uh, from uh, saguaro, from cacti. By the way, these are the same bats that uh, pollinate uh, uh, the agava plants. And, and thanks to them, you have uh, tequila. We, humanity, mm. have tequila. Uh, so thanks every to those bats. Exactly. So every, uh, um, every uh, spring, hundreds of thousands of females migrate over more than a thousand kilometers from central Mexico to northern Mexico, where they aggregate in, in several roosts, um, give birth to pups. So you can go into these caves uh, in spring and see hundreds of thousands of pups uh, on the ceiling. And then they will fly through the desert. Uh, again, we found this thanks to our GPS tracking was not known before. They can fly um, up to, uh, in, in, the, in the most extreme case, we have an individual flying more than 100 kilometers one way. So she's flying 100 kilometers to a cacti. Uh, or to a cactus, sorry. A specific she, one. Uh, yes, this is part of what we find, that she returns to the same cactus or to the same group of cacti night after night. She will then drink uh, um, something like 20 to 30 milliliters of, uh, that would be like a small uh, shot of, uh, I don't know, whiskey uh, out yeah. of this cactus, uh, out of several cacti together, and then fly back uh, 100 kilometers in order to, uh, uh, to feed her, uh, her pup. How long does it take her? The flight itself would be something like one hour. She can probably do it faster, but there's also, you know, a cost. So she flies in a speed. And you followed speed. one specific one, right? Yeah. So that, that's the strength and the weakness of our system. We, we work on individuals. For the first time, you can see what individuals are doing. On the other hand, uh, you're missing the population, uh, the macro. Right. Kind of so I just want to give our but, audience. Yeah. But just did she have a name? 
So, so often uh, my students name the bats. Uh, it, it depends. If we're working with a bat in the lab and we train it, they will have names. Okay. Or actually not, not only. So the bats that we track here in Tel Aviv, they all have names. Okay. And the names can, can you know, it can be anything from uh, superhero names. Uh, you know, I, I, I need to think of, uh, I don't know Wonder all of the characters. Yeah. The Gal Gadot. X-Men. Yeah, exactly. What was one of the names? Uh, yeah, the, the, so there was, I, I don't even know all of these superheroes, ah, okay. but you know, we have X-Men and so on. And, and they're also, it depends on the student. Each student okay. has his own, uh, you know, we have. So uh, I want to give the audience like an idea, uh, paint a picture for a second, because I remember when I was reading this leading up to the interview, then for, I t- it took a second for it to sink in. But because you think about it, I guess you take it for granted that bats and, and, and birds put it on the table. fly hundreds of kilometers and you know get to where they need to go because you know that's what they do birds doing bird things but like if you have to imagine it this sometimes at night pitch black it's like it's like it's like you're letting go of a magnet and it just like hones in it basically just knows the way it's a hundred kilometers in the dark Mm -hmm. somehow it's got to be it's not like he's looking at road signs i mean somehow there's something thing going on there that leads him directly to this specific place so what 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 did you guys start? Uh, how did you guys start answering these these questions? Right. So so uh, as as I like to say, they're carrying a GPS. They cannot use the GPS that they're carrying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, indeed, if like just like you said, if you look at their at their flight, it's almost a straight line, uh, hundred kilometers through the desert. Everything's dark uh, around. Uh, we don't know exactly how they do it. Uh, I, I can say I, I'm very much interested in the sensory side. So let's start with which senses do they use in order to do this. And I can say that it's not not echolocation. So we know that bats have this uh, sixth sense, uh, the ability to use sound to orient, right? They emit sound, they receive echoes, and they can use this to, to recognize objects, to find food, to avoid obstacles. Uh, these bats are not using, they use echolocation. For example, when they approach a cactus, and when they approach a flower to drink, they're using echolocation. But when they're flying uh, over the desert, they're not using echolocation to navigate. We it's know this. short range. Right. It's a, it's a very exactly. It's a short range sense, and they're they're flying high. They cannot sense anything with it. We believe there's nothing around them. Right. Exactly. Actually, it's even a riddle why are they using because these are nectarivorous bats and they don't eat insects. It's not even clear why are they using echolocation on the way. It's clear when why they so turn they it on. Do use it on the way? Yeah. But they they, they, they in vain. They emit it. We're not sure why. Maybe they're also occasionally looking for insects uh-huh. you know, to supplement their diet with some. Proteins. Could it be that they have some level of? I, I love how. I'm, already coming up with a hypothesis <laughs> but could could it be that they have some level of uh of uh, like of detecting that we haven't even reached with our technology that they are using it yeah not not uh, likely prob- pro- probably not yeah because we know how sound travels of course they're much more sensitive than us so in general what you said is correct but when they're flying 100 meters above ground uh, we know how sound travels. There's no way they're getting any anything, any echo any from the ground. Any useful information. Yeah. So my guess is that they're using vision. Uh, some people suggested that some bats might use magnetic uh, navigation, magnetic uh, sensing to navigate. Like uh, an inner campus. An yeah. Inner, an inner... A uh, compass. Uh, compass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it might be surprising to some people that bats use vision at all, right? But actually, vision is probably one of the, the main sensory systems for bats when they're flying far, okay? It is, there are probably some bats that use only acoustics, only sonar, only echolocation in order to, to navigate, but these are probably bats that fly uh, shorter distances. So, so uh, what we call insectivorous bats, bats that eat insects, 
not all of them of course, but some of them leave the roost, they will fly like 100, 200, 300 meters away, and they can probably do this using sound only. But then they will stay low the entire mm. time. And a technical question, mm-hmm. the sound they produce to communicate is on a different frequency? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, so indeed, they have vocal communication. Almost all bats, maybe all bats, have vocal communication. And that will be in different frequencies. Also, you know, different uh, duration. There are a lot of different characteristics. But yeah, they will be usually in, in much lower frequencies. And often, so they won't get confused. They're all like, wait, wait, were you calling me? Oh, no, you were just trying to get home. Okay, so. <laughs> it's, it's, we've, we think that, uh, that bats can, uh, can also use their echolocation signals to detect each other, so to recognize uh, each other. But that's... Wow. Uh, Do they smell? They smell too. Very little is known about that. By the way, there is a whole theory about uh, using olfaction for navigation in using birds. Using uh, uh, Smell. Okay. Odors. Yeah, uh, uh, in birds, this is one of the leading hypotheses. With bats, uh, not yet uh, tested. But birds also travel distances to a specific location without knowing, right. without we 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 don't know exactly, right? How do they know to go to that location? So it's the same riddle, like bats, or is it not? Right. No, it's the same riddle with birds. Uh, people have been working many for many years now, uh, mostly on migration, so like very long-range navigation, mm-hmm. uh, where the strategy might be completely different. So sometimes, you know, ten thousand kilometers. Uh, people have found magnetic uh, compasses, uh, evidence for olfaction-based navigation. Uh, there's still also a lot of debate there. Uh, with bats, it's just much more new. We, we right. were not able to track bats until recently. So. Right, so technology made it possible. Right, we don't even, we, we have not tracked a single migratory bat so far. So, so like to, to really see how it moves over a thousand kilometers. This has never been Why? done. Because it, they're too small. Even, even with the new technology, they're too small. Uh, what people have been de- doing for many, many years is to ring bats. So you can put a ring on an animal and then you catch it a thousand kilometers in a south from where you ringed it and you know, okay, this bat travels a thousand kilometers, but you have no idea what is the flight trajectory. When, when because the batteries on the small GPS won't last for the long journey. Right. Or even more importantly, probably would be, uh, even if they last, uh, you would need to transmit the data somehow because uh-huh. the chances that the bat comes back are very low that you catch the same bat. Mm-hmm. And transmitting means a lot of energy using satellite or something like that. And that is completely impossible. I see. So we, our, our, uh, our sensors are loggers, actually. They log the data. There's a, there's like, there's a flash. There's a, there's a big memory card on the tag itself. And we have to either recapture the bat and download the data or um, more comfortably, sometimes the data, fall, the, the device falls off the bat, and then we just uh, retrieve it from the Drag ground. it down. Yeah. And I was reading that these devices are actually fairly expensive, and you know, quite a bit of them go, yeah. go to uh, get lost. We, we throw, I don't know if I should say this, uh, <laughs> but we throw hundreds of thousands of dollars into the ocean every year. Oh, uh, wow. Of course, we get a lot of beautiful data. Of course, of it. it's donors. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no might, it's, might be it's, a business to go after those <laughs> GPS devices. I, I was thinking about it. You know, we have this uh, rule in the lab that if you find them, you get a meal uh, uh, yeah. or something. I was thinking of like trying to, to uh, employ people just to look for these. But if it's over the ocean, we have some bats that really fly over the ocean, and then just to give know. some perspective, we were reading that it was they've gone down to three hundred dollars a piece, but they started at about a thousand dollars, and you guys have lost. You said something like a thousand of them, yeah, which is yeah. crazy. The, the numbers are, are more or less correct. It's uh, the price of science. That, that's part of the reason why we started develop, de- like developing and and, uh, and designing and building them ourselves because mm-hmm. uh, buying them was too expensive. 
So we started uh, building our own devices and, and, uh, and they are indeed much cheaper now. Now, I was reading that um, there's monarch butterflies, mm-hmm. that they actually not only go from point A to point B where they've never, they've never traversed that, that route, but that they actually go places that cross generational, meaning right. they've go places they've never been before and they know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. something we see in mm-hmm. bats as well? Or is it just in monarch butterflies? That's something that is very specific, I would say, to insects because of their short uh, lives, uh, except for one case that we know of insects, mostly if they migrate, it's over multiple generations, which is amazing for itself. You know, how does the next generation know yeah. uh, where to move uh, with bats? You will always have, and birds, of course, you'll have the interesting question of uh, uh, how does the new generation know where to move? Um, but but migration will be uh, not over multiple generations, but, but vice, vice versa. Every generation has to migrate many times. Mm-hmm. So there is an interesting question of how, does, how do the, the juveniles uh, migrate for the first time. Uh, we've not, with birds, there's some work on that. And you indeed see much more error with juveniles and there are a lot of interesting findings. Uh, we have looked at, uh, we are looking at... Um, how do pups learn to navigate bat, bat pups uh, on a smaller scale, so on a daily uh, basis, not when they migrate, but on their nightly. Uh, so, for example, fruit bats here in Tel Aviv, uh, which are... Uh, Relatively new here uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, yeah, probably 100 years, I would say. Uh, in Tel Aviv. In cities uh, in Israel or okay. cities or, or villages in Israel, let's say. Um, and we find that the pups are carried by their mothers uh, during their first uh, weeks of, of, uh, of their life. And the mothers uh, take them to nearby foraging uh, uh, areas, uh, so basically fruit trees that they, that they know, and they leave them there. And very interestingly, the pups, when they start flying independently, they first go to these same foraging sites. So are the mothers teaching them? You know, that's, uh, we don't know. It's a bit, uh, it's too strong mm-hmm. to say. But there definitely seems to be some kind of a, a learning process uh, that depends on the mothers. But is this, I'm sorry, is this system, I mean, it must be something that's unconscious to the bat. Like, it's, it can't be, it's not like we humans, when I'm trying to make my way to Dizengoff Center right now, I think to myself, okay, or what's the nearest? inside Dizengoff Center. Yeah, or inside, which is, <laughs> that's all, which is yeah, <laughs> way more difficult. But, you know there are bats in the, in the cellar. Yeah. Even they're confused. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea where they are. Uh, no, but if I'm trying to make my way to Dizengoff Center, then I look for the nearest uh, landmark that I know, and I say, okay, let me make my mm-hmm. way there, and then I'll try and... I, it's, a, it's a conscious effort. With mm-hmm. a bat, it's, it's got to be like language. I mean, they're... Hmm. Yeah, we'll never know. I mean, with you too, I guess there's a lot of navigation that is non-conscious, right? Mm-hmm. That like you to do. the bathroom. Uh, for example, right? Uh, with the, the, the lights uh, off, for, for example. Uh, or, in, or when you're navigating through a very familiar area and you're not even thinking about it. So, you know, we don't know. And what are the practical reason, reasons to go about with such research in the first place? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first of all, we do, I, I always say this, we do basic science, like most science in universities is basic and it leads to things that we don't yet know. So even if you think of big uh, discoveries, Nobel Prize winners, you know, that led, for example, to, uh, I don't know, development of ant- new antibiotics or, so often they started with just basic science that... Uh, just curiosity. Yeah, that described, you know, we do it because we're interested, exactly. You know, we want to understand what is the structure of the ribosome and later on it leads to, and that leads to a Nobel Prize, of course, and then later on, it leads to developing a new medicine. So it's the same here. But uh, 
the technology that we've developed can be used, you know, in many cases on robotics. And What in, does it do, the technology? I mean, I just mean small sensors. So we are now placing these sensors, for example, on drones, okay, to, uh-huh. track, uh, to track drones. These are small GPSs. So our GPS devices, they include many other sensors. I didn't say this, but we have a microphone there. We have uh, different analog sensors. You can measure light, you can measure temperature, and they're tiny. They're 1.5. I could put them on you even, you know, and you could move around with them without even, uh, I mean, not without knowing, but without caring, let's say. Right. Yeah, you could put them on a, on a child, on an old person. On, so know. the Mossad is a client? Uh, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is each a, this Mossad this agent has two bats in it <laughs> these days. This is a device that's a side effect, kind of, of the research. Right. So that was just number one. So, yeah. so uh, uh, strategies for navigating... Uh, could could uh, be learned from bats we have uh, so for example we're working on bats in uh, other bats in Mexico there are many interesting bats in Mexico that forage in uh, the Sea of Cortez over the sea and they search for fish and these guys move uh, as a group uh, when they search uh, and th- this makes their searching very very efficient they have a very difficult problem they need to find fish uh, tiny fish that, that uh, arrive at the water surface And it's very hard to predict. When Because you go the sonar out, doesn't go underwater, right? right? It, it, it does only if you're underwater already. Yeah. So dolphins use it. But for, you know, it's just like you shouting uh, towards the swimming pool. Somebody in the water does not hear you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so they need to track the fish as they exactly, pop out for exactly, one second. To, exactly. Or so, maybe even a few minutes. But so it's very difficult. Small uh, window. Right. It's something you, don't, you can't predict. So that's why we believe they move in groups. And their the search is very efficient as a group. It's a, it's a group of, uh, you know, we call them agents sometimes. Uh, a group of agents moving together, searching together without telling each other, come here, you know, you search this area. So very little, very, very weak communication. Mm-hmm. And this is something today that we're building into a swarm of robots. So in collaboration with people in mechanical How? engineering, uh, we're building small, uh, uh, actually swimming robots because flying robots at the moment would be a bit difficult. Uh, we, we plan to go into flying robots in the future, like drones. Uh, so swimming robots uh, that will search just like bats, like we think bats do, together as a group without communication, just eavesdropping on each other, listening to what the others are doing and, and trying to keep uh, in some kind of, of, a, of a group form. And uh, indeed, it seems like this is much more efficient now uh, uh, than searching alone. I mean, now this could be, you know, applied in many uh, scenarios of robots in which you want simple robots that do not... cost much and do not communicate with each other which with each other and uh, and you could think of I don't know searching the ocean for a, an airplane that has crashed or, or many other scenarios in which this would be uh, potentially beneficial but what about implementing the actual sonar ingenious of the bat into yeah military technology uh, or, or agriculture technology so we uh, have plus an option <laughs> 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 You, we gotta be the Iranians, a man. Warmonger. <laughs> What about <laughs> war? <laughs> about killing people? So, so actually, um, uh, yeah, so I, I was talking about navigation research, but, but a lot of what we do indeed has to do with studying sonar or, or echolocation. And uh, I always, you know, when I was uh, doing my PhD, I, I showed that you can take echoes of plants and uh, recognize the plant. So you can, uh, you can listen to... To the echo of a cornfield and know that this is a cornfield okay and and when I did this I couldn't think of any good uh, use but when then, then when I came I did this abroad when I came to Israel back to Israel then immediately I was approached by uh, engineers that do agriculture stuff agriculture robotics for example and they said let's apply this in uh, in uh, agriculture 
And we have now uh, uh, several projects with the Volcani Institute, which is the agriculture uh, institute in Israel, um, on, on using sonar to do different uh, agricultural tasks, such as, for example, uh, in a greenhouse of peppers, Uh, the farmer wants to know how much pe- how many peppers he has and today there is no good to- way to do this so uh, vision based technologies do not work well uh, for different reasons for example because the fruit is hidden within the leaves uh, labor is very it's very intensive labor to count which is what farmers do today uh, and we are We have shown that we can do this using sonar much more efficiently. You just send out a, like a blast and then it comes back and you can kind of measure right. So we emit sound frequency. Since sound uh, travels through the, the plant, so you can get information from inside the plant, even if there's uh, like hidden fruit. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then we can use this to quantify uh, the amount of uh, fruit. And, and we're now taking this to the next step of trying to make it, uh, I would say, commercial, uh, more, more uh, commercial. And, and just a few words about how amazing the sonar of the bat is. actually is because bat i remember seeing one of the videos it can locate a fly inside a forest full of leaves in the wind right right so bat sonar i would say is even more amazing than their navigation abilities i mean navigation abilities are also amazing but their ability to use sound is is something we completely cannot mimic uh, or understand uh, so this includes uh, an ability to measure distance with accuracy of a millimeter So a bat can uh, emit sound towards the wall on, on my right, for example, and it, it will know if this wall is one meter away or one meter plus or minus a millimeter away. Okay, think of how good you would be in estimating the distance of this wall. Uh, like you said, it can rec- detect or recognize a, a moth, for example, in very deep vegetation. Uh, it can determine if this is a moth that is edible or not edible. Uh, all of this using sound only. How? How do they do it? <laughs> yeah, if I knew I could retire, right? Uh, of course, so you know on the on what we call the periphery on the sensing uh, level, we understand we know how they use uh, specific signals uh, their ears are the same as as yours and mine uh the meaning big... they they send out sorry they send out a, a blast and then they hear basically right. based on what they're hearing they're doing all the process calculation right so so yeah everything is is based on on echoes returning to the ears and the brain calculating things i could even send you some sounds that uh so you can see what or hear what uh, different plants sound like uh plant echoes of course i need to change the frequencies for you to hear but you would you would be able to tell the difference by the way between uh-huh. a cornfield and an apple tree You could even see it on my on my website okay um, and uh, and then there is the brain right which can do you know these uh, these crazy things uh, I would say the equivalent uh, in terms of research is is uh, um, is computer vision right which is a huge field uh, of research uh, and for many many you know if I'm trying to say something about how the brain works um, when it's you, the bats brain so you Uh, in computer vision people were working thousands of I don't know hundreds of thousands of people were working for many many decades without much progress until they started using these artificial neural networks which I'm sure you've heard of these machine learning very powerful blue, statistical blue, uh, like yeah that. exactly very powerful statistical tools which we don't really understand they mimic the brain to some extent and and they they are learning machines so they have a lot of computation power you feed them with a lot of examples and then they learn something and and Probably you could do similar stuff with acoustics and, and mm-hmm. echoes. We're playing around with this a little bit, but it has not yet been uh, 
tested. You know, so many thoughts as you talk are in my mind. Like, for example, how, why is it, because we're humans, right? Our senses are like our main sense is the eyes, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. sight. Yeah. For bats, evolution gave them sound. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder, I'm thinking like, what are the advantages and disadvantages? And if it is... If, if it's so accurate and so amazing, why didn't we get mm-hmm. that sense? And also, I'm thinking one advantage that we have, may, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the speed of light, like I will see a, a lightning before the bat would hear it. Well, yeah, the bat will not hear the lightning, right? It will see it like you. Um, but, uh, okay, so there are two, at least two questions that you ask. Yeah. Uh, why did they develop uh, sonar? Why, we, why did we uh, not? And what are the advantages? What is superior? Right. Uh, so, the, the, it's all, you know, we're just now guessing because we're talking about evolution 50 right. million years ago. Nobody but really... But you're a professor, so yeah, we'll we take can, your word. Educated guess, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, the, the idea is that bats started using uh, the night. So, so they, they moved into at least uh, first twilights and then the night. Mm-hmm. And then vision is not good enough. Uh, try to chase a mosquito even in, in twilight uh, light. So not, uh, not even in darkness. And then and we actually did these calculations. Uh, sonar starts working better uh, than, than vision when you're looking for small insect. Why did they move into the night is another question. Uh, there's there are only hypothesis. One hypothesis is food. There's a lot of uh, insects, at least uh, during the evening. Uh-huh. Uh, which we is think that once upon a time they were a day creature? Probably more uh, day, daily active or, or, or uh-huh. less nocturnal, I would say. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of food. There, there are few predators. There are not many birds uh, around at night. So this is like a, what we call taking over a niche that was available. Um, and then sonar becomes advantageous. Note that they did not lose vision. They still use mm-hmm. vision. Uh, why? So long-range navigation, something we discussed already. Yes. Uh, actually, in my lab, we're interested in how they integrate the two. And we have, uh, I have a student who's shown that, uh, that you can teach a bat to recognize an object using sonar and then test it using vision without it ever seeing uh, the object. So they only heard it so far. So there are two objects in this experiment. They learn using sound that one is rewarding, one is not. For example, one is a triangle, one is a, a sphere. And then you test them using vision and they're able to translate. So they, they have the ability in their brain to some translate. extent yeah, to, 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 to understand what's the visual representation uh, based on, the, on what it sounds like. Uh, we call this you know, sensory substitution. So, for example, if I, I give you a sack with something with several objects and you have to fill them with your fingers, and then are you able to, to, to say this is the same object when I show them to you? That mm. would be the equivalent. Yeah, because um, I was trying to imagine hearing a triangle for right, a second. Be, yeah. It was confusing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I hate hearing triangles, right? They sound <laughs> yes. horrible. Right. Uh, why didn't we develop echolocation that's, or evolve echolocation? That's a, it's a big question. So first of all, there are blind people, by the way. That that's use, what I, that was my next question. Right, that use some sort of uh, echolocation. I've, I've met one of the, the, like the, one of the best ones, uh, Daniel Kish. I can talk about it in a second. Uh, one of the suggestions... Again, it's just guessing, but that you don't see echolocation in terrestrial uh, animals at all um, is that it costs a lot. Try So a bat can sometimes shout at most even 200 times per second, but very common 50 times per second. Try running around and shouting even once per second, you know, very, very loud. 
you haven't seen a Polish mother, right? <laughs> uh, true. I, I, I don't have one, but uh, but still. Uh, but uh, um, and why? Okay, so why can bats? How did bats solve this problem? Um, so the idea is that they couple uh, or synchronize the wing beat with their shouting. Uh, and therefore, whenever the wings go down, there's a lot of pressure on, on your chest, you know, and air pressure comes out and you can uh, minimize the cost of, uh, of shouting. Um, and, and by the way, the other group that uses sonar is dolphins or what we call tooth whales. And in their case, co the cost is also, cost of movement is low, right? Because they're, they're uh, moving through water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some people, like I said, some people uh, have developed an ability uh, to do to, to orient using uh, echolocation. And these people, um, uh, mostly they, they emit sounds like uh, clicking, something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them are quite, quite remarkable in their abilities. So I, I was reading also that uh, there was, uh, w with the devices that you placed on the bats, you could actually hear what they were eating, similar to the, uh, to the echo and differentiating between different types of a field, you could actually, through the sound of them chewing different things, you could identify what that thing was, whether it was exactly, whether it was an insect, what type of insect and, mm -hmm. or fruit. And then th there was a mention there of developing that into some kind of diet, uh, dietary mm -hmm. aid, or, mm -hmm. or I don't know. You must get approached all the time when developing, when discover in, in the process of discovery and finding out these all these different methods and all these different uh, things, you must get approached all the time by, I don't know, startups or engineers or people who want to make a million bucks off of the next big thing. Or Does that military. happen often? Hmm. Or the military? Yeah. Um, yeah, not uh, all the time, not on a daily basis, but we are approached uh, often by people. Uh, who or do work. you get tempted sometimes to put up, like, do you sometimes find something and say, okay, you know what, I could just make a million bucks off this. Maybe I'll just put the yeah. science aside. Hasn't happened so far. So no. I'm always saying, you know, if it's a good idea, I, I'm willing to consult, but like giving up the job and going to work in some work where I have to do everything, like again, again, the same thing every day and yeah. just to make a million dollars. I often play this game, you know, how much would I need to get for, in, for how long in order to, to leave science? And it's usually a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe, it's uh, that satisfying. It's that. It's extremely satisfying. I mean... One thing that is uh, very, very, I mean, you, you wake up and you can really do whatever you, I mean, of course, there are obligations, there are students, they start projects, you can't uh, change everything on a daily basis, but you can really think, okay, this idea, this uh, question is interesting, let's, uh, let's play around with it. And unlike when working in a startup, uh, you don't have to, to reach the end. So often you, you get to the 80% point where you say, okay, I understand that this can work, more or less or I understand the concept, or I think it's, it's difficult, and then you leave it. While with a startup, you will, or, or any kind of uh, I don't know, a commercial uh, product uh, development, you will need to invest uh, now another, a lot of time in order to get to reach this additional 20% uh, mm -hmm. of functionality in order to sell it, and this is boring usually. Back to the million dollar question. Yeah. Will blind people ever be able to actually see using sonar mm -hmm. that would translate the signal to visual message for the brain to, to inter, intercept as sight? Mm -hmm. So uh, people have shown, researchers have shown that uh, blind people's visual areas in the brain uh, are activated in response to echoes. 
So because you have this huge area, as you said earlier, I mean, it's the biggest part of our brain, the visual uh, cortex, uh, and it's not used by blind people or, or much used to a much lesser extent, uh, then uh, uh, it will start processing uh, acoustic information. So echo information. interesting. It means evolution did leave us with a... Yeah. Souvenir. We're all a bit of Batman. No, I, I would say we, we have this plasticity. Our brain is extremely mm-hmm. plastic. You, if there's an area that is not being used, you can harness it to do something else. That's okay. This plasticity is amazing. Never mind, we're not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but still, even with that, so we will never, at least, you know, not in the next 50 million years, uh, be able to, to, be, to even come close to bats. Because the, the processing is completely different. Uh, that's my opinion. So... Bats, uh, as we said earlier, they do everything based on, on, on timing, right? They emit sound, they receive echoes, the brain computes so- uh, time very, very accurate on, a, on a hundreds of nanoseconds uh, um, order. We cannot do that. Uh, so our analysis is probably much more based on intensity. We receive the echo and like when I say our, by the way, you can try too. Anybody who's listening to this can try. You can take a, a plate, put it in front of you, do something like something like this close your eyes and you feel that something is coming back to you. Uh, I often play this game, you know, when I give a lecture or something and everybody succeeds. Even people who are deaf in one ear, everybody succeeds. What do you mean? Put a plate in front of your face? Yeah. yeah. Ah, just, okay. just move it, you know, click in front of it, move it away and you'll feel the difference immediately that something mm-hmm. is coming back. That's mm-hmm. like, there's no, you don't need to be trained for that. You can mm-hmm. do much more if you train yourself. Um, but still, this is based mostly on intensity, I think. Uh, bats, one of their biggest abilities is they emit sound now the beam, the sound wave, the sound uh, beam coming out of their mouth or nostril sometimes is is very wide, just like our vision. So they get echoes from all around, and still they can segregate, and that's maybe one of the most difficult tasks. When we work on robotics, that's one. That's our most. What do you mean? So I now emit sound. I will receive an echo from the wall in front of me, from the wall on the side, from the TV on the side, from the microphone, from all of these objects. And uh, a spectrum. Almost simultaneously returning to my ears. And how do I now, you know, with vision, that's a big difference, right? With vision, we have a lot of pixels in our eyes. We have, they're called ganglion cells. It's like, a, like pixels of a, of a camera, of an, of an image. And they, uh, they already encode space. When right? mm-hmm. something re- is, is recorded by a specific pixel, it, it is coming from a certain angle in space. With sound, you have to compute all of these, right? Your ears do it all the time, right? By the way, when, when you hear something, uh, you... Us humans, we're quite good. We know where it's coming from, at right. least horizontally. And the distance, too. We know something about the distance. Yeah. Much, much, much less accurate. And we're not very good uh, vertically. We don't know very well mm-hmm. where, if it's coming from above or are we above or below. Yes, but what, you know, which angle? Uh, so when a bat emits sound, it re- receives ec- a lot of echoes, not a single echo, usually. And, uh, and, you know, when I record sound with a bat-like machine, I suddenly have hundreds of echoes returning to my two ears, my two microphones, and I now need to decide which one is the same on both ears. Very, very difficult task, which a bat solves very, very, I don't know if easily, but it solves. Uh, and, uh, and I believe that blind, people's, uh, blind people, they can solve it to the same uh, extent and they will not be able to. And can, can't a machine that we will once build in hmm. 50 years decode more or less what the room looks like yeah. and translate it into visual information for a blind person too. Like Morgan Freeman at the end of the Batman movie. Yeah. So so that <laughs> should go check check <laughs> check here, you know. Your obsessions, man. <laughs> so uh, 
So that, uh, yeah, that, 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 ca- that can be done. You know, then it could help anybody, somebody working, walking in the, in the darkness, in the fire with, uh, I don't know, with the smoke or whatever. Uh, I mean, when I say can be done, I mean, will m- maybe in the future. Uh-huh. Uh, we, have a, we have built already a robot ca- that can move through a room uh, based on sound, avoid uh, colliding with obstacles, say something rough about what is in front of it, Uh, very far from bad, but uh, we can do some things. Yeah. What, what is, Noel mentioned his million dollar question. What is your million dollar question like that, you know, you're basically after when it comes to... Or the noble <clears throat> question. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the problems is that I'm not focused. People always say that, so I don't know <laughs> what is the question. But, uh, uh, you know, if I, if I would be very, very general, I would say I want to know when a bad... is sitting in its roost, where will it fly? Okay, so when I'm not really interested in the where, I'm interested in the decision process. Mm-hmm. What information does it use? How, that, how does it integrate this information in order to decide where to fly to? Yeah, by the way, I, it's the same question about humans, right? I would love to know that about humans. I think with humans, it's uh, too difficult. If we will ever understand with bats, we, you know, it's very hard to... They're simple. All they want is to eat and they're fuck. They're simpler. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, in the only, and only in specific seasons, right? Mostly it's I guess eat. that's true for humans, though, too. <laughs> it was true. It was true. Then, yeah. then we became complicated. Um, but, but you can uh, then, uh, uh, you know, divide this into smaller questions, uh, Such as, okay, when it's going to eat, what are the factors that uh, make it uh, choose uh, what to eat today? When it navigates there, how does it navigate there? Which sensory system does it use? Does it use information from other bats, right? Uh, if, if there's another bat there next to it, will it uh, somehow try to, to glean information from this other bat? So those are, the, those are the questions that we're interested in. I have to ask, do you have a funny story about working with bats? In the lab, like in, something or, in, or in outside, but something like weird that happened. Yeah, oof, many, many, <laughs> yeah, m- many things. Uh, uh, let me, you know, I can think of a few. So, so uh, in Mexico, when we were working, uh, we have this, uh, I mean, this was many years ago, but we have this device that emits sound like a bat and we wanted to take it to Mexico. And in order to take it into the field, we had to use, uh, oof, I might offend some people when telling the story, but we had to use some wheelchair. Uh, we decided the wheelchair is the, the, the easiest way to roll this thing into it was used it was very very heavy into the field and we weren't sure how to get this wheelchair on on the airplane so eventually one of us just faked a broken <laughs> leg and we and we pushed it through the airports you know all the way to Mexico uh, taking advantage of the airline so maybe I should, they let, I shouldn't say did this. they let you through security faster Uh, I, I guess I don't even remember I was so nervous about this uh, I think you're onto something no yeah. bat in that story though so uh, it doesn't count okay so when I was uh, when I was a postdoc uh, and we didn't yet have uh, here in Israel and we didn't have uh, uh, yet a lab to record the animals properly uh, I flew with some of my animals too so these animals that I've trained and I knew them very well for several months and they recognized my voice and I had and they had names of course and I flew with them to uh, to the US to some lab of a colleague to, to record them there uh, and and the whole thing was like I don't know like a comedy um, first of all uh, this was winter so we landed in, in New York and and I had to get to DC or to Maryland uh, but I didn't uh, I was really afraid that, that during the overlay they will be these are tropical bats or bats from Israel 
uh, that they will be uh, kept in some, you know, just outside and they will die because of the, the cold or something like that. So I rented a car and I, I, I instead of flying, uh, and I, I put them, they were on the seat next to me for this, you know, this three hours drive from, from New York to, uh, <laughs> uh, to Maryland. And, you know, I, I turn on the heat and I put music for them, you know, just for them to be in a cage? happy. Yeah, yeah, in the oh, cage. Yeah, they were not oh, uh, just flying around <laughs> yeah, in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the way back, you know, the, 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 the woman in, uh, yeah, I think it was JFK, uh, she was, uh, was, was in charge of, like, getting the animals, uh, you know, into the, the check-in, whatever. So, so she's used to dogs, of course. And then she said, what? You really have bats in that cage? And yes, of course. And she says, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to release them on the Palestinians? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> would be the first yes. time that bats were used as a weapon. Hey, no, no, World War II, Americans yeah. were thinking, ah, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. thinking about it, but... Uh, really? Against the, the Japanese. Yeah. Never yeah. heard of this? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know the story like you from, from reading about it. The Americans were planning to use them as bombs. And I think they, 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 ah, they, 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 they tested it. it. Right. It, it failed in a test in the U.S. That's what's written. They basically constructed, the, like the, I think it was before the atomic bomb, Mm-hmm. They they had all these research into different kinds of weapons, and they developed a weapon in which they stacked bats in these small little compartments in a in a bomb casing, and then they would what they did is they attached um, uh, incendiary devices to the bats, which basically explode because they knew that bats find their way into small little hard to find areas. And the idea was to drop it in Japan, where most of the the structures were made out of wood. And they would drop the bomb and then open it, uh, like, I don't know, 100 meters above the ground. And then the bats would fly out and fly into the houses and hide within the houses. And then they would all explode. They had these time devices the on them. That's the stupidest idea I've ever <laughs> it's heard. It's crazy. Look it up. Yeah, it is quite stupid. Look it up. And then they, what happened is they didn't do it, but it actually blew up. On one of the bases that they were testing it in mm-hmm. the United States, mm-hmm. they did a test and the bats escaped, or they didn't do a test, but the bats escaped and then flew into these places and then blew up. <laughs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, um, so maybe she was onto something. Yovel, mm-hmm. um, do you, what do we plug for you? Like, what do you want to promote? If anything, first of all, check out the <laughs> Bat Lab, guys. Yeah, yeah, we have our website. You can see the uh, when when the camera is working, meaning that the rats did not eat the uh, the cable. Then you can <laughs> see our colony uh, online. Okay, we'll put the link. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, we have we didn't I didn't even say this, but we have a, our in-house colony, uh, which, as much as I know, know is the only uh, in the world of bats that roost in our. Like they're the first academic bat colony. They they roost in the university, and they're free. They go out. Uh, sometimes I call it back to Big Big Brother, because uh, we track them indoors. Uh, we have cameras and, and microphones, and and we have GPSs on their back. So when they go out, and and we track the full history of these animals. So bats, by the way, I didn't we didn't say, talk about this, but they they live very long lives. They can live up to 30, 40 years sometimes, depending on the species. Wow. And and for these animals, we know from day one these are bats that uh, either were born or or arrived when they were very young into the colony, and we know everything they they do. That's something you would love to know for a human if you were studying humans. And of course, mm-hmm. it's impossible, right? You will never know this for, for a human. Uh, so you can see this colony if you enter the website. You can even adopt uh, one of the bats if you're interested. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Your favorite Batman movie? 
I'm not a big fan of uh, I'm more oh, more a drama yeah, person yeah, yeah. yeah. oh god oh, no. <laughs> okay <laughs> no more questions yeah. so before we go you're probably a Val Kilmer kind of guy then. <laughs> <laughs> before we go we have a collaboration with uh, the Jewish Journal uh, jewishjournal.com they are a news source out in LA Jewish news and news in general check them out guys jewishjournal.com and we accept donations so if you want to help us out we do this on our free time go to 2njb.com slash donate and help us out please thank you very much and that is it that's it thank you so much thank you it was fascinating thanks guys bye 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 bye